I don't think we even knew that's what it was when we bought it. In whatever strategy you do, demand is the key factor. Scummer society, greedy landlords, you know, leeching off of people's circumstances. Some of that can be templated and laid out, and that's something I'm looking at as to how do how do we communicate that a lot better for someone starting. Yeah. There are deals out there without a question. Um, I just think it's... Welcome to the Net Gain Club podcast. In today's episodes, we're talking about buy to lets. Is it a strategy good for a beginner? Is it something that you should be doing in the marketplace right now? We'll also find out how many buy to lets Mark's actually invested in in his property investment career. So, Mark, we're going to start with the elephant in the room. Okay. You don't own a buy-to-let. I don't own a buy-to-let, and I've never bought a buy-to-let. <laughs> <laughs> never bought one. No, um, no, no interest. No, it's not that. <laughs> um, it's uh, so we started out. We bought what was in effect an HMO. I don't think we even knew that's what it was when we bought it, but that's where where we were. Um, we'd had sort of. I was going to say we'd had some experience. We hadn't really, but that's that's kind of how we became what we like to call accidental landlords. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of fell into that kind of multi-let, I guess you'd call it sort of thing. And um, yeah, we, we, we sort of sidestepped the whole buy-to-let thing and, and kind of scaled from there in HMOs because at that point, once we st- made the decision to invest professionally, um, we felt familiar enough with... Um, the HMO market where there would be demand and we kind of took it from there. So no, um, that's the thing, isn't it? Buy-to-lets, we talk a lot to people who are just getting started about yeah. investing in buy-to-lets as the first um, stage in the pyramid, if you like, yeah. the, the, the most logical place to cut your teeth on smaller projects. And I stand by that. I would 100% recommend that to most people. Mm-hmm. Um but as we've said already several times on the podcast, it really does come down to your own circumstances. And will absolutely everybody start with buy-to-lets? No, not necessarily. But you've got to make sure that if you're if you're going to, um, let's say, move on to a slightly more advanced strategy, that you're doing that for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking back on it, I don't know. Should, should we have done that, or, or should we have, have actually done a few small buy-to-lets? Maybe, maybe we should. Maybe that would have been a useful exercise for us to go to because by leapfrogging that stage in the process, um, I never cut my teeth on project management. Okay. I never had to organise trades because we took on a project that clearly needed a project manager. You know, we were dealing with licensed HMO conversions. We used a project manager, and so I got pretty skilled at that side of things and managing the manager but I've, I, you know actually ironically until quite recently I've never really had to mm-hmm. organize trades myself um so yeah who knows you, you you can always look back can't you and 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 do things in different ways yeah. but um no I would say for most people that is a fantastic place to, to start yeah. in terms of cutting your teeth on project but also in terms of building yourself an asset base that that generates relatively um passive we don't like the word passive but you know what i mean fairly hands-off recurring income and don't get me wrong being in service accommodation sometimes that really does appeal (laughs) and i do wonder whether i'm just a glutton for punishment and i seem to gravitate towards 
strategies that are that are that are more hands-on. But, I'm um, going to say that you probably do. Yeah. Um, and I think with doing buy to lets, oh, I have no intention of ideally doing. Uh, service accommodation management we've yeah. talked about that yeah um i enjoy the project get the project done pass it on move yeah, over yeah, yeah. so yeah. for me buy to lets are the cornerstone yeah um of our portfolio yeah so between buy to lets and flips yeah and that's where as you said we recommend a lot of people do start so yeah. when you look at a buy to let project and the chances are especially if it's your first one you're not going to go to a house that's fallen down actually a very much recommend that you you pick a buy to let it needs some work because you want to add value and that's that's the big thing here if you're doing the brr strategy yep. that you're doing something that adds value so whether that's a new kitchen new bathroom or some slightly more work yep. windows doors heating all that kind of stuff buy to let it it's only so far it's going to go wrong yeah um i think so when you're looking at going into a property it becomes much easier to go, okay, windows, doors, electrics, um, heating. It's, yeah. it's a known. And one of the things that uh, we tend to be most nervous about when we, because very few of us come into property investment with a construction background, mm -hmm. is how do I know how to price up a refurb job, what's involved, etc. And if you get that wrong mm -hmm. on your first buy-to-let project and you overspend by a couple of grand, you're not going to lose your shirt over it. At the end yeah. of the day, you might you know, it might take you a little bit longer to recoup your money, but it will have been a useful learning process that you take forward to the next project. Yeah. So I totally get all of that logic. And, and I think it's, as I said, I stand by it. I think for the vast majority of people, that is the right place to, to, to cut your teeth and 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 sometimes trying to shortcut mm -hmm. that process and jump to um to bigger deals and sexier deals that are going to get you to your financial security quicker is actually sometimes going to do the opposite now um we hit it pretty hard you know we 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 really did sort of immerse ourselves in that strategy and and it worked for us you know and mm -hmm. but yeah it's it's an, it's an interesting one with the whole buy to let's um, you know, we want this content to be as evergreen as possible on the podcast, but let's face it, buy to let's in the current market. What yeah. do you think about that? Because it's not just about things don't stay static, right? In the world of property. How do you feel about recommending to people that they invest in buy to let's right now? So this is going to come a little bit to each individual strategy, yeah. what they need to do. Is it a long-term strategy they have yeah. or do they instantly need cash flow? Yeah. Because let's face it, with the interest rates, uh, what we hope is the peak, yeah. and I might be coming back on that soon, <laughs> but as close to the peak as we hope they're going to be, yeah. in reality, they're not making money in the way that they were two years ago. Yeah. Um, with such low interest rates. And if you were investing at a break-even point or close to a break-even point two years ago, I mean, you're, you're stuffed now, yeah. to be to be perfectly yeah, honest. Yeah. So if you are looking for long-term strategy, if you are if you are looking to de-risk it, yeah. there's a point here going, well, if you can pay your investors, whether you've yeah. bought it on angel finance or you've looked at your mortgage and it's going to cover you to make the money, you might even have some capital growth. I personally don't invest particularly for capital growth. I'm yeah. just going to put that out there. I invest for what it's doing for me right now. Then it... it yeah, it just depends on what your goal is. If it is that long-term security, then actually buy-to-lets are always going to be in demand. So if the market yeah. crashes, people are going to downsize. Yeah. And so I'm always suggesting you're buying at your average smaller family home, kind of people who are renting for the first time yeah. um, in areas where there's demand. Yeah. 
in whatever strategy you do, demand is the demand key factor. Demand is the key, absolutely. And I ask about demand, not just in the last year, post-COVID, but pre-COVID. Yeah. So if I'm investing in an area, I look at the demand. If it's close to schools, if your target audience are people who are looking to stay there long term, that will have decent jobs, maybe someone stays home, you know, um, in that in that family, they need the house. Yeah. And if you have got a good house at a decent market rent, yeah. then you can pretty much guarantee that that's yeah. going to stay rented. Whereas... For me, HMOs are always going to be potentially a little bit more risky yeah. because um, much more transient nature of people who are staying in them anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And more hands-on, more people moving in and out. And more regulation. Absolutely. I think where there's confusion sometimes, though, is, um, and this is where it can be uh, confusing looking at the, the 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 knowledge that's out there you might be speaking to family members maybe mm. you've got a family member that owns a property that they rent out there's a there's a distinction here isn't there yeah. between buying a buy to let and doing a buy to let strategy because mm -hmm. with all these things the assumption is that most people listening to this podcast will be if they're not already actively investing, will be interested in investing at scale, growing a portfolio. Yeah. Now, is it possible for a lot of people to buy a property close to where you live, rent it out uh, and make a little bit of money each month from the rent? Quite possibly. Yeah. Unless you're, you know, and a lot know, of people do. A lot of people do. Yeah, absolutely. You get and there's nothing wrong with that. If that's yeah. what you want, that's that's absolutely fine. Um, unless you're living in an area where the house price to rent ratio is 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 just just not going to work. But then you'll probably know that because you're probably living in the middle of London or what have you. <laughs> um, so chances are you could, but that's not going to happen at scale. Um, mm -hmm. And and therefore. Running buy to let as a having a buy to let strategy means finding areas where those numbers stack is mm -hmm. one thing, and where there's enough stock yeah. of distressed properties that you can add value to. Exactly, and that might not be where you live, and and that might be quite some distance from where you live, and it might cover a fairly large geographical area depending yeah. where you live in the country as well. Yeah. So you know. Um, mine <laughs> when i look at my portfolio we have shetland ayrshire yeah. fife north so if we're in scotland yeah. oh, and chesterfield as well um <laughs> it's it spans places so we've got yeah. systems and process in place none of them were an accident yeah they were all looked at researched and decided that that's that made a good deal and that would work for us yeah um so you you've, you take that into consideration nobody's going to suddenly just dot them around the country because you fancy it because yeah. someone brought you a deal every single one of those areas i know the demand yeah i know the area type i did my research i asked for recommendations and sometimes i ignored <laughs> recommendations because i could see a different set of numbers in front yeah. of me um, and that's something that you've got to be very aware of because you might get told by your granny your mum your sister your brother an estate agent, a letting yeah. agent, that that's a good area and that's a bad area. Yeah. But the only person in reality who should be analysing the area and making that decision is you. Is you, yeah. And the amount of times, there's one area in particular, actually, that we were told by several agents, so assuming this is in a general local authority area in Scotland, um, some of the agents in different parts of it said, oh, don't invest in that, that town. Yeah. It's not good. 
Um, why? Ah, uh, just it's not great. And I'm kind of going, okay, your standard crime stats and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's mild level crime. Nothing that you don't get in city centre Edinburgh. It's a typical town. It's yeah. a typical town. Um, and for me, I understand it's not it's not a glam area. Yeah. But the people who live there, they'll happily pay a good rent for a good house, for yeah. a good landlord that's going to look after them. They're quite happy to rent. They either have no ambition of owning yeah. or maybe they're in a place in their lives where it's not the right time for them, i.e. they're saving for a deposit or yeah. whatever it is. Um, and that has been my most stable area, even though I was told, don't invest there. Nobody invests there. And in have reality- you not found that a few times? Though? I, I've definitely mm. found that in various strategies, actually, that um, sometimes the areas that in particular agents tell me to steer away yeah. from um, actually can be some of the some of the best areas to, to take on buy-to-lets or, 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 or HMOs mm. because they tend to be... So people who rent in those areas, they mm-hmm. tend to live in the area for a long time. Yep. They tend to be there because they've got close family yep. Mom lives around the, the corner. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And they do adopt the property as their home. Yes. They don't necessarily see a, a realistic prospect of getting onto the housing ladder themselves. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, you know, they they can be quite long-term hassle-free tenants, right? So let's look at this. Why wouldn't a, a letting agent tell you to invest in town A over town B? In reality, town A, the rents are £800 yep. and town B, they're 400 yep. Of course, they're going to want they're to hire rents basis. because they're yeah. not looking at the end value. Whereas we look at that going, yep. right, this property rents for £450 per month and it costs me 60 Yeah, That is that is the basis of my portfolio yep. in reality. Those are great returns. Yeah. Um, can't buy them for that price now anymore. Um, but in, in the other town, you might get seven fifty, but the house prices are more than double what you're getting in the other place. So from an investment point of view, it's not as attractive. Yeah. But from a letting agent point of view, they yeah. would much rather be letting out the higher end, the higher They're properties. Pitching to manage your property, aren't they? And for yeah. more or less the same amount of work, yeah. they want you to rent in areas of where, where yeah. the rents that little bit higher. And that's the same as to whether you are doing the, I'm just going to buy a ready-made buy-to-let. Because if you are just buying a ready-made buy-to-let, the chances are you've not gone into huge demand things. You've gone and gone, look, I can get a mortgage on a property up to the price of 200K, let's say. Go off to your letting agent and say, where should I buy? I've got 200K, where should I buy? Yeah. This episode is brought to you by NPP Developments, your go-to partner for seamless renovation, construction and land development projects. Whether it's a small refurbishment or a grand construction of an investment property, they'll make your vision a reality while staying within your budget. With expert knowledge and a friendly approach, NPP Developments crafts projects to perfection tailored to your specification. Their dedicated project managers guide you every step of the way, ensuring transparency and quality. To find out more, visit northernpropertypartners.com forward slash podcast. They're they're just looking at where the the best rents come in, and it's not necessarily where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. Yeah, and it's it's not to say that there aren't areas within towns and cities that that you should avoid. Mm -hmm. You know, there almost certainly will be. But it's... Whether or not you like the area yourself is pretty low on the <laughs> yes. in the order of, of criteria for investment, isn't it? Yeah. But you do get it. You do get. I've had I've had coaching clients. I've had students who've who've visited areas and and discounted it 
outright because yeah, I, I just didn't like it. It's, it. Yeah, it's 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 just really run down. I didn't really like it. I didn't I didn't feel safe, whatever that means. Yeah. And you know, like okay, there is an element of of gut instincts, and you should certainly visit the the area at different times of day and bits and pieces like mm. that. But remember, you're not going to be living there, yeah. and for some people, it might be you know the perfect start a home or yeah. the perfect place to raise a family. I will put two points in there. So one. I don't particularly buy in an area that I wouldn't ha be happy putting a family in yeah. from that area. Yeah. You know, people do have different opinions of things. But in reality, if I look at this area and go, do you know what? I can add some value here. The people who live here will look after a well-looked after yeah. home. And of course, there's going to be a few houses that are run down, not looked after. Yeah. That is buying the nature of what you're doing, particularly if you're buying kind of ex-local authority style buildings yeah. as well. The, the, the part where I have actually had it when we've been in the field of some investors is where I've been with someone and I've looked and I've gone, I actually don't think we are safe. Let's yeah. leave this area. Yeah. And there are times where you're like, that's a fair, yeah. that is an absolute clue as to not buying that area because you're walking down the street. <clears throat> and I will say that people with different kind of racial backgrounds yeah. and they're getting eyed up and I'm like, we're just going to leave this and we're going to, yeah. we're going to go to a slightly um, more yeah. open part of, of the country. So there are places, yes, that you don't invest. And in my town that I invest in, there's about five streets I don't go near. Yeah. And that's cool. I just don't buy those streets because they are not very good streets, yeah. but anywhere else in that town, even a hundred yards up the road might be fine. But the reverse can be true, right? Um, you might be on a training course. Mm -hmm. You might be um, speaking to somebody else who invests who's a little bit further down the line than you, and they tell you, "Oh, you've got to go here. You know, th th mm. this is this is where you need to go." And you take that as rote, and and you just go, "Right, okay, well, clearly." And and there was an element of that. I think when we first started investing professionally in HMOs, you know. Everyone went to Liverpool. Mm -hmm. You know, all the training courses used Liverpool in their case studies. So there was a, an element of you that sat there and go, well, I'll go to Liverpool should we too. just <laughs> shortcut all of this and just go to Liverpool? Because it's not that far and everything else. And um, and we did invest in Liverpool. We did well out of Liverpool for a few mm -hmm. years. But um, uh, that market quickly became saturated. And yeah. Um, yeah, you, I, I think the bottom line is you need to understand how to do your due diligence. Yes. And understand. So when you're looking at, buy selects, what what due diligence would you typically do? So you're going to visit the area, you're going to yeah. walk the streets, you're yeah. going to speak to agents. Speak to estate agents and letting agents Yeah, because you really do. I mean, I I love taking that big old map. You know, yeah. I am very much, let's draw on it together. Yeah. And, you know, people don't do that. I have taken my iPad in and we've sat and we've drawn on it and stuff. And, and, and in the most, most agents are pretty good. They yeah. give you the time of day. So, yes, it's getting that demand element. You... There's only so much online research that I think yeah. is useful because you ha you just have to get there. Yeah. You can look online, you can look at what the current rents are and you you do your overall analysis, yeah. right? What are the average rents, average prices? Great, that area works. Let's go and deal with that. Um, but you also want to have just a little bit of an understanding about where that town's going or yes. that, that area's going. Yeah. Because if you know that um, HS2 is coming somewhere yeah. in the vicinity, that's that's great. Yeah. Whereas if you're in an area that... Until they stop building it. You know, well, we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> um, if you're in an area where it, it's solely dependent on one industry... Yeah. So I'm going to use Aberdeen as the yeah, example yeah. because it's not too far away from where yeah. I'm from. The oil. And I have seen that area just behave the absolute 
absolute opposite of what every other area is doing in market trends because yeah. the oil gets shut down all of a sudden everything just absolutely plummets yeah. so and i know a lot of people who are doing good good business in aberdeen so i'm not writing that off but you've got to know your individual area yeah. what what run what risks there are yeah. and i don't think you can compare aberdeen to almost any other place yeah. because it just it, acts like its own individual place you know but you only get this level of insight by talking to people and yeah. by visiting the area and spending time there yeah. and how often do we see people hiding behind right move oh. and don't get me wrong i mean what a tool you know right movers and and zoopra and what have yeah. you as, as ways to scrape data from across the country but how many times do we see that where you know it might be six months down the line that someone has um you know, been coming to us for advice about investing in property and, you know, they've highlighted various areas, but they've they've still, they've not, still not actually been to the area. And it's like, ah, oh, come on, just get out there. And if, if the first few, we give you ways to eyeball an area on yeah. right move, if that more or less is coming, okay, get out there and N visit it. Nail three areas or roughly no three areas that yeah. you're thinking, right, that's, that, those are kind of where I'm thinking. Yeah. And what I will, what I also say is like start small. Yeah. So if you go right, I'm going to pick this town. So I'll, I'll give the example here of, of we're sitting in Chesterfield at the moment. Yeah. When I first came here, I said Chesterfield. Everyone was like, Ah, Ches Vegas. It's a great <laughs> place to go out and nightclubs and pubs or something. But a lot of people were talking about twenty years. They haven't visited in the last twenty yeah. years. So first point there. Um, for me, I looked at Sheffield and went, oh, that's a big city. That's going to take a while to get my head around where's where and yeah. where are the good bits, bad bits. So let's let's go out on the outskirts. Let's have a look at some. And I looked at quite a few other towns around Derbyshire, South yeah. Yorkshire. And um, I looked at Chesterfield and I thought I can get to know this place pretty easily. Yeah. It's got a small enough town centre. It's got, I can understand the way it goes. I never moved out of it. <laughs> I still haven't bought anything in Sheffield. Yeah. Um, but because for me, I, I did my research and I thought yeah. it's got the demand, it's got the values that I need to do, it's got multiple strategies. And once you've got that first small area, then you can start expanding because it gets so much easier to kind of do that. So when you're first starting out and you're going, where's my area? Start with somewhere you can kind of get to know. Yeah. And then really, like if you're, you're traveling up and I'd say minimum once a month when you're yeah. starting if not every two weeks, ideally. Yep. You're getting into the area. You view as much as you possibly can. Yep. Even if it's maybe not quite right for the yep. numbers, you get out, you view, you get to meet agents. That's the thing, isn't it? It's not just about the property. It's yeah. about the contacts you build up. Yeah. And you get in the area, you just explore it all. And then once you really know that area, yep. then you start expanding. Because yep. again, it's going to take you more than a few months to get your first deal likely. So in that time, you should know that place like the back of your hand. So when an agent phones up and says, right, I've got one from you on, Regent Road yeah. you're like I know that street and I know the houses yeah. and that's that I for me is yeah. how well you want to know your area yeah. so that you can pounce on a deal as soon as it comes in right move you're not having to go through what is the rent what is that you know your area so well that you can maybe you have to look up that specific street but you go oh yeah I know where that's at I've seen one around the corner I know the rents that value should be roughly about yeah. 80 90 that's the level of knowledge in your area you want to start with. And you can't do that if you've got six different investment areas yeah. that are Manchester City Centre, Liverpool City Centre. But because, let's face it, uncovering sometimes the, the real gems mm -hmm. when it comes to buy-to-let deals, they're not all on right move. Well, there's that. So some of them are, you know, a direct-to-vendor and 
there absolutely is no replacement for being in the area, yes. talking to people, yep. speaking to neighbours, leaflet dropping. You know, that's where you're really going to uncover some of the best deals potentially yeah. or, or the most creative deals or whatever it might be. But you can't do that sat behind no. a laptop screen. And my favourite bit of advice is if you're in your area and you're trying to get to know the bad bits, yeah. go find a taxi driver. Yeah. Say, where do you not go on a Friday or Saturday night? Where where yeah. do you where do you try and avoid pick yeah. up? And you will find out everything you need to know about the dodgy streets in an area from a taxi driver. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. but that's you can only do it by speaking to people. Yeah. And the amount of times I'll kind of knock on a window and be like, I'm not needing a lift, but can I ask you a few questions about the area? Yeah. What taxi driver doesn't like yeah. <laughs> to talk to you? Yeah. So what do, going off on a slight tangent, <laughs> what tips have you got for people though that that the prospect of going out and talking to random strangers mm. terrifies them. It still terrifies me. I'm not yeah. going to lie. Like, there's still that. I'm a very social person. Yeah. I quite happily stand up in front of a room of people, but I still get that little bit of, yeah. oh, I'm going to talk to someone. Um, you kind of just have to get over yourself, first of all. What's yeah. the worst that could happen? Yeah. Um, there's a part there of going, like, your need for wanting to get this information too. Because, right, it's a competitive landscape. Buy to let is competitive. Yeah. Everybody who wants to start in the property, chances are they're looking at buy to lets. You have to do something different, something that other people are unwilling to do. Yeah. And I mean, like, people are lazy. Yeah. It's the 99% of people are not doing letter drops, yeah. even though it's everyone knows that's what you should be doing. You should be going out talking to people. Yeah. And I guarantee 99% of people are not doing that. Yeah. And maybe someone did it once and then they never did it again. Yeah. And it is just a case of you've just got to go and think, the only way I'm going to get those amazing deals and the stories that I heard about is by doing it. Yeah. So I put a challenge. Okay, so if I'm out viewing properties for buy-to-lets, there's two things. You need to be putting out your letters, your leaflets. And I say a minimum of every time you do a viewing in an area, yeah. you go and put at least five letters through the doors of houses on that street. Yeah. First of all, so by the time that you viewed, I mean, if you can do 10 properties, even better, because by the time you viewed 10 properties, you put out 100 letters without effort. Yeah. And those are the best targeted letters because you're viewing the properties in those streets that you yeah, want yeah. to do. Yeah. So that's number one. And that's, it's still scary because you're like, well, what, what will I do if someone chases me down the street? Or opens the door when I'm trying to put my letter through the letterbox. And there's a fear, but you go, great, <laughs> yeah. now you can talk to someone. Yeah, and yeah. I've, I've had phone calls with someone saying, why did you put a letter through my door? And yeah. you're like, Oh, well, it's just, you know, you, yeah, you get yeah. used to it. Um, you know, I was just in the area and I'm looking to buy a property and, yeah. you know, like, yeah, but my I had one. She was like, well, my neighbor didn't get one. Why? <laughs> Why was it only to me? I didn't want to say, well, it's because your house looked in a complete mess and I thought I could add some value. I'd say, oh, I just was doing it randomly. I'm really sorry. If she's interested, pass the letter yeah, on yeah. to her. <laughs> um, but, you know, so go and put some letters out while you're viewing. Yeah. Best use of your time. And the second of all, if you see someone outside stop and hand them a letter because you've got them in your hand. Yeah. And as scary as that is, yeah. we've had deals off of that. We've had deals stopping people in the street saying, well, this is what we're doing. And they go, well, actually, would you have a look at my partner's property? He needs to bloom and sell. And he's not done anything with it. Yeah. So those those are the, the, the easiest actions to take, but they're they're hard. Yeah. So going and talking to people, I like to go find a good sandwich shop. Yeah. Somewhere that the local trades go. Yeah. So, because they'll obviously be gassing about where they're working, what they're doing, um, and make friends with whoever's serving in that sandwich shop. Yeah. You know, go there every time you're in the area. Um, and so you just start to make connections yeah. with people. And, and that's what it's about. And 
it is about every time you're there, you have to do one thing outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Do you know what my tip is? Okay. Get yourself a Caroline. <laughs> Get married. <laughs> Get yourself a Caroline. That's my tip. My wife, Caroline, she's just a natural when it comes to talking to people. But uh, yeah. but yeah, joking aside, team up with people. Yeah. You know, joint ventures, you know, understand each other's strengths and weaknesses. And it's actually, it's actually an interesting one because... Um, we, I'm probably less comfortable in that scenario. If it's literally just talking to someone on the street, I, I, it's not that I'm perfectly happy to do it. It's not necessarily a scenario I'd throw myself into voluntarily if I could avoid it. However, if it's a case of going in to talk to agents, that will always then flip to me. Yes. So I, I will talk more formally and, yeah. a, and maybe a bit slicker around strategy so and stuff like that. Bit, and Caroline was like, right, no, this, you know, <laughs> you need to go and speak to these guys and I'll just chip in with the fluffy yeah. stuff. And then when it's the fluffy stuff you need to really yeah. build the rapport and she'll get their life story within two minutes, yeah. um, then that's where she yeah. comes. So it's actually understanding what your strengths and weaknesses are, I yeah. guess, isn't it? And how to play to it. But Oops. there's going to be, you can't equally, you can't rely on that. Right? No. You can't be dependent on that because there will be times when you have to do exactly what you said, which is take yourself out of your comfort yeah. zone. Just put a different hat on. It, it, it's it's a superhero cloak. You can take it off again. Yeah. But for that 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, when you're doing direct event or particularly to try and find these deals, the amount of times that I've I've knocked on a neighbor's door yeah. before I've been in 10 minutes early and I thought well yeah. I'll go speak to a neighbor yeah. I mean nobody does that it's, it's a bit bizarre maybe um but I there was one property I went to look at that I just I it was quite early and I don't know if it was structural issues or not why was there a crack there so I went and knocked on the neighbor's door and I said do you have any idea have you had any work done to your house because the same type of house just next door yeah. what are these cracks here they gave me the entire story yeah. and the agent turns up and he sees me talking to the next door neighbor and then when the, the agent's sitting looking at me going oh do you know them I'm like no i just chapped on the door to ask what was going on with a with the yeah. roof here and there's then they kind of go oh okay you're different that sticks out to them yeah you know um but the amount of great information particularly when you're looking for empty properties and you know the backstory yeah. and stuff Go, go meet the neighbours, go and have a chat with them, get to know them. Because equally, if you buy the property, you might well need them on side yeah. if you've got work to do that's going to affect them in any way, shape or form. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, going back to buy to let right now mm -hmm. in the current market, yeah. it's just popped into my head. So would I advise people to go start investing in buy to lets as a strategy right now? Yes, potentially. Mm -hmm. um, I think that where... Where it's difficult is you will get training courses, mm -hmm. you'll get training providers, you'll get webinars, etc. that um, are still, you know, pushing. Teaching the same thing they the taught same two years old ago. Model. Exactly, <laughs> the same old model. And why are they doing that? Well, they have to. They've got a buy-to-let course they need to fill. They've got to get bums on seats. So they need to tell you that actually, oh, yeah, 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 there's loads still out there. Loads. You make the money when you buy. You know, there's loads of money. There's loads of now. Don't get me wrong. If you continue to follow the principles of um, add value, yeah. so so buy distressed property, add value, and you and and the principle of buy, uh, mm -hmm. sorry, make the money when you buy, then yes, there are absolutely still profitable buy to let deals out there. Yeah. Um, but I'm 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 not going to sugarcoat buy to let right now for anybody. It's tough. Yeah. Like there's definitely not. As, as many what we would call deals yeah, out there yeah. um, and it's it's a lot more challenging but than turn, it was turn that on its on its head if you are in the if you have the ability to let's say weather the storm 
from a mortgage point of view. Yeah. And that's a risk. We can't tell anyone to take yeah. a risk. If if you were looking at that going, okay, well, guess what? There's less buyers in the market right now. Yeah. If and when the mortgage rates come down, yeah. I'm gonna have picked this up at a pretty penny. And there's been there's less there's the housing less housing market. Yeah, there's stumbles a little bit, just the house prices take there's less a, competition. A bit of a dip. Yeah. yeah absolutely. You can negotiate yeah. better now than you could six months ago. Hundred percent. Like there's there are deals out there without a question. Um, I just think it's like like we we try to do in the podcast. It's just about giving people a balanced viewpoint and, mm-hmm. and trying to suggest that actually, yeah, well, you know, you must be doing it wrong because there's loads of deals out there. That's just that's no, that's, that's not true. Like it's, it's undue pressure. Yeah. Um, because it will take longer to get something right now. But equally, if you're looking at this as a financing point of view, that, okay, what's your worst case scenario? And I have some buy-to-let deals that are still on angel finance because that works for us. This is it. Okay. I think this is what I meant. Here's where it's at. Money in, money out. Mm. That's probably more what I'm talking about is, you know, like... The unicorn deal. Yeah. You know, our money in, money out deals on a buy-to-let out there, 10 a penny. Oh, God, no. They're just not. They're they're just... Anyone that tells you there is is just trying to sell you something. There is no way that they are. Having said that, it's really important you understand the principle of money in, money out. And then you adjust your own buying criteria according to your own circumstances and what the market's doing. Yeah, because if someone says to you, like, I mean, I I generally have my ROI, so your turn on investment, which is once you've kind of got it refinanced, I try and keep as close to 50%. Some people are laughing going, you'd be lucky if you can get 20%. Yeah. And that might be the case. But in reality, that's my criteria. Yeah. And actually, I might relax that ever so slightly. Because I, I would still buy buy-to-let right now. Yeah. Um, that's a big part of our portfolio. It's a it's a consistent part yeah. of it. Um. So for, from my point of view, I've got money in, money out deals. Yeah. Um, I've done them in the last couple of years. Yeah. And we had a great time post-COVID. We worked our butts off, basically. Yeah. And we did get, uh, one of our deals was £800 left in. I mean, yeah, yeah buy a property for £800 any day of the week. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they were hard work. They were hard to find. Um, yeah. And we have had deals where we've left in more. Yeah. And sometimes it is that case of going, would you lose a deal for 500 quid? Exactly. no i'd pay the 500 quid extra yeah. but you can fixate can't you on oh, you can. money and money out or you can fix out on a fixate on a certain roi and it's like, like in the grand scheme of things you're gonna have hopefully this asset for life yeah. 500 quid a thousand pounds it's not going to make a massive amount of difference i think the challenge people have then is where am i going to find that a thousand pounds because I've, yeah. I've not got enough money yeah and ultimately that's where you unlock your your angel yeah, yeah. power and you have a plan because yeah. I, I guess there's this bit here that people don't talk an awful lot about the fact that um, what do you do when you're leaving money and where does the money yeah. come in? Where does the money appear from that you leave in a deal? Yeah. Where's that 10K coming from? Yeah. And yeah. that's that's never talked about. And unless you're flipping properties, yeah. then property is a long-term game. So if you're sat on um, a portfolio of buy-to-lets right now and suddenly you've seen your your monthly cash flow dwindle from mm-hmm. £300 a month to £100 a month, does that mean you should be offloading them uh, left, right and centre? Ideally not. Mm. Like, but, but you might have to. But you might you might have to, and a lot of people will. Yeah. And that comes back to what you said about opportunities here, yeah. that the fear in the market is where we can 
potentially yeah. capitalise and, 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 well, not capitalise, but find opportunities, I yes. guess. And I think as well, with to answer that question, where does the money that you leave in? That That's why I employ a flip strategy in yeah. reality. That's so we've got cash that we can leave in it. Yeah. But we have had the times where we've had to leave some angel money in it long term. Yeah. Yeah. Because we didn't refinance. Well, we've never not refinanced at the number we wanted, but maybe our, our reefer budget went above. Yeah. So in reality that sometimes you are working out, okay, it, all of a sudden it's not clear cut. Yeah. And it's not that simple. And you have to come up with a plan A and plan B for financing. And maybe something you had as a buy to let that yeah. suddenly is overspent. You're going to have to flip yeah. because you don't have money to be able to leave in it. So I think with, with some of those, those elements there that, we talk about having blinkers on. If you go through training, you're told you must do it this way. And yeah. it, this is the process. And yes, you kind of want to follow that process, but you yeah. also have got to have the flexibility of going, okay, right, the the world has changed. Yeah. The market has changed. What am I going to do about it? Yeah. Could I change my strategy in service accommodation? We were, we're selling a flip at the moment that we've yeah. looked at, are we going to have to buy our buyer's house to release the funds? And yeah. that's not something most people deal with yeah. but in reality sometimes situations come that you go okay let's be creative let's think about yeah. it so i think when you're looking at buy to lets in general there's always going to be a few principles that guide you yeah. um knowing your strategy knowing your demand knowing how you want to progress with the kind of your overall um purchasing strategy yeah. um putting a plan against it yeah. and really just knowing, knowing your stuff, yeah. knowing your area, definitely getting to know your trades, knowing how it all works and knowing the right people that's going to be able yeah. to help you. Yeah. If something doesn't quite go to plan or the market changes. So I guess the, the question you could have asked me mm. is, so our most recent deal was a hotel. You're working on an apartment. We're mm -hmm. sat in what will ultimately become your apartment hotel. Would I go back to buy to let's? Mm. That that's an interesting well, question. Well, you can't say back because there no, was no. No, I don't mean rewind. I mean, would I now start buying buy to lets again? Yes. If you see what I mean, yeah. from you know, as things currently stand, yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't yeah. discount it. I, yeah. Absolutely, for all the reasons that um, buy to lets can be great, which is they they do tend to be low hassle. Mm -hmm. They tend to be relatively low. Um, capital intensive and you know they they tick along and they bring in a bit of um, cash flow and you're building your asset base quietly whilst making a bit of money from it and so yeah all of that absolutely that appeals mm -hmm. you know am I saying that you know I would never touch a buy to let absolutely not mm -hmm. I could envisage a situation where you know maybe we've achieved the goals we want to achieve within our service accommodation business and we go do you know what we're not going to stop investing in property but what we might do is yeah. we'll just start picking up some buy to lets we'll, yeah. we'll we'll follow all the principles that you've just said and we'll do our due diligence we'll find a little gold mine area and we will start you know building up our portfolio that way a lot of people did that during covid yeah because the the strategies they were investing in maybe were a little bit risky yeah yeah, yeah. and or they had got nervousness then they went back to buy to lets yeah um i i think buy to let will always be part of our strategy yeah we get pickier about the buy to lets we pick up for sure yeah um as we progress we absolutely will sell off a buy to let that isn't performing or maybe yeah. just isn't quite right so you know we don't feel too pre i used to feel very precious about that yeah very precious but yeah. now sometimes you go meh that's just where we're at we've got yeah. bigger goals fine we'll move on um but buy to lets are always going to be a stable part of what we do yeah even when 
let's say some governments come in and makes it really difficult, like Scottish yeah. government right now are putting some big challenges in the way of buy-to-let investment in terms of limiting rent control, yeah. um, eviction yeah. banning and all that kind of stuff. But again, if you have bought the right property in the right area, got good management in place, good good letting agents that know the area and get the right tenants for your property, until they stop you owning buy-to-lets, full yeah. stop, in reality, we'll, we'll continue buying. And yeah. we'll buy them north of the border, south of the border, in England, Scotland, doesn't matter for us, as long as the deal works. And equally, we've always got a second exit if we need to, if we need to leave. But assuming some people accidentally stumble on that perfect melting pot mm. of opportunity, um, but we're not going to rely on that. So this comes back again, doesn't it, to getting educated, yeah. to understanding the strategy, to understanding how, what tools we can use to find areas where they've got stock, mm -hmm. how we analyse the numbers, how we work the numbers backwards to make sure that this isn't a case of just doing up a property, crossing our fingers. You know, the whole homes under the hammer thing yes, when, uh, <laughs> you know, an agent comes around and tells you how much it rents for. And then the person you do is, oh, thank God for that, you know, because that actually works. Oh, oh, that's less than I thought it was going to be. I mean, you know, talk about, I know it's probably edited, but talk about getting blindly into a deal. That's not how we would yeah, recommend. I just, I just, oh, it gives me the fear <laughs> to be perfectly honest. And, and I've seen people who have, done it yeah. even under some level of my guidance yeah um have kind of semi-disregarded it yeah. <laughs> gone and just done what they were going to do in the first place just well somehow just took <laughs> what i said and went i implemented what you said i'm like no you didn't anyway that's not so and they actually went and found some amazing deals and I, yeah. one lady gave me a phone call and she was like yeah do you know i know i didn't do it quite right but I've hit the goal that I needed to hit and I'm I'm very happy with it. Yeah. It's like, go you. That's that's yeah. cool. Like, again, if that's what's worked for you, as long as you're protected, yeah. as long as, you know, it's not risky in yeah. the future, it might work really well right now, as long as you're okay in two years' time and you're not over leveraged and all that stuff, then good, great. And, and that's ultimately, we want to provide good quality homes for yeah. people. Um, and yeah, have, have you ever had any negative response to being an let's say a property owner because usually we start and buy to let and people are very scared to maybe go out and say i own properties have you had negative responses to about you how can you make a living off of somebody's life like their life i see it all the time i mean i know it's a buy to let episode but particularly in short stays mm -hmm. because and, and it is a hot topic because if yeah. you're renting property from a short stay perspective, then by definition, you're taking that housing stock out of circulation for long term renters. And oh, yeah, I mean, you just I don't know if I've had too much. I'm very aware of that, very mm -hmm. sensitive of that. So I think I'm quite good at avoiding putting ourselves in situations um, where where we're open to that. But you see that uh, online, you see it in forums all the yeah. time, you know, scummer society, greedy landlords, you know, leeching off of people's circumstances, um, which I can argue back at that from a short stay perspective in terms of the uh, the business that it might bring to an area yeah. and, and all that side. But even from a buy-to-let perspective, coming into it with the right ethics and the fact this is not we have a housing crisis in this country yeah. people cannot afford to buy houses and bringing good quality refurbished homes yeah. and acting like a responsible landlord is fundamental to um to, to housing in this 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 country and yeah. so yeah i i think people do have a miss well 
maybe sometimes it's an accurate perception, but a, a misperception as a whole of landlords that are being greedy and yeah. are looking to capitalise for purely for financial gain. I've I've had it directly. <clears throat> People commenting to me saying, "Can't believe you're doing this and that." And I, the good thing is, a lot of the properties I buy are in bad nick. Yeah, they do not look good. And yeah. you're a bit like, "Well, nobody's going to get a mortgage on this. No yeah. first-time buyer is going near this. Hence, why yeah, it's yeah. sat in the market. Hence, yeah. why it's fallen through three times." Yeah, you know, um, I've I've always been quite open and clear and equally when we have our rents we're not going oh make it 25 pound more than anyone else just because yeah. like no if it's market rent it's market rent yeah but it's good va it's good yeah quality you know it's it's not the crappy carpets yeah it's decent carpet that you know of course we need to change it it's not going to break the bank but yeah. in reality it's it's good quality it's going to last it's going to be comfortable it's going to be warm and as you said yeah there are scum landlords out there yeah. for sure that give the yeah. bad name but equally i think as well in I know in Scotland, in particular, the, the the government focused very heavily on telling everyone that landlords are bad. In fact, in yeah. COVID, the Scottish government wrote a letter to all Scottish tenanted properties because we've got a register in Scotland yeah. saying you don't have to pay your rent. Yeah. Non-eviction clauses. Yeah. You don't have to. In fact, tell your landlord if they've got a mortgage to take a mortgage break. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> So you've already got this mentality, but at the end of the day, I'm, I live in a rental property right now. I'm quite happy to say that. Yeah. I live in a buy-to-let, yeah. someone else's investment property, yeah. and we take really good care of it, yeah. if I may say so myself. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> uh, but but this is because it's our home. Yeah. And actually, I look at that as a risk going, you know, they could turf me out in, in a month yeah. if they wanted their property back. Yeah. That's scary for me. So I see it as a, as a tenant that... Mm actually some protection's good yeah but in reality it has to go both ways so yeah. from buy to let's i have no issue that if you as an investor are bringing a good quality product to an area yeah um that you know you're, you're doing good for for society and the economy as well so there's there's that to look at what's been your take on i guess the last couple of years i don't know whether um you've come to the end of a fixed period in your mortgage at any point over the last couple of years so there might be that there's almost certainly going to have been increased energy costs mm -hmm. um i know that's passed on largely to the tenant within a buy to let but what what would be your take your approach mm -hmm. as a landlord with regards rent rises okay. if you've already got a tenant in situ is that just a case of Sorry, guys, as of next month, you're having to pay X or how do you approach it? So in Scotland, you're limited to 3%. Okay. Or 6% if you can prove hardship right yeah. now. However, when the energy rates went up, obviously, we actually wrote to our tenants, said, look, yeah. we can't do anything about the energy rates. However, yeah. we guarantee, and this is before they came out with a rent freeze, yeah. we guarantee we're not going to raise your rents. So we okay. can guarantee that for at least yeah. a year. Yeah. But in reality, we've never put up the rent with a sitting tenant. Yeah. So if a tenant's in there, they sign this. Now, if they were there for five plus years, yeah. might consider it. Yeah. Um, but in reality, most of our tenants, I mean, and, and equally, we, we've not been in this game for 20 years, so we yeah, don't yeah. know that that, that, yeah. that level. But in reality, I'd say the, our tenants probably move after about four years. Yeah. So if we have a fixed mortgage... And we know what our insurance premiums are. They're not going to go up by five times the insurance, yeah. you know. Um, we don't really have any other costs yeah. associated to it if if it's being looked after. Yeah. Um, 
So our, we know our letting agents are fixed. Again, they're not going to go up ridiculous prices. So if we've got a tenant in there and assuming that it's being maintained and assuming that we're getting in and we're doing all our fixes and our, you know, our gas safety and all that kind of stuff, um, I don't need to raise the rent because yeah. I've got a fixed rate mortgage. Now, we have a lot of, a lot, luckily we put a lot of fixed rate mortgages at five years during COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. hopefully that was that was a smart idea i know we'll have one coming up in the next little yeah. while but we look at that as a case of going okay how would we want to handle it because yeah. we had a rent increase in our in our in our home yeah. uh we definitely negotiated yeah. um but for me it's notice yeah and i actually said to our landlord at the moment going if you're going to raise our rents you know what three months notice would be helpful yeah even you know yeah, yeah. what might not be an awful lot but the more notice we have so if we are going to do that we're, we would rather go down the route of let's take the friendly approach yeah. not what the law says you must do of yeah. course you do that but if we can say to them look by the way just so you can plan next year it's six months notice would be amazing yeah I, knowing you and your ethics as an investor, I I kind of guess that would be your answer. As as, and I just wanted to pull that out as just an example of yeah. having good ethics as as a landlord. Um, yeah. And and that's an important side. Clearly, you know, we're business people. Yeah. We 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 are doing this for financial gain. We're not trying to hide that fact. Yeah. But at the same time, um, it's about bringing good quality homes yeah. to people and treating people in the right way. Well, I mean, as a business, we're relying on them, particularly yeah. when both of you don't have a full-time job. You know, you rely on your property and your property yeah. income, and that's what pays you. Yeah. Um, you need to treat your customers very well yeah. because it, it, as soon as you take your eye off the ball, and this is the thing with buy to let as much as it's less hassle, you know, yeah. it's not passive because the, the legislation's constantly changing. Yeah. And therefore, one small change or one change in the marketplace could completely eviscerate yeah. your portfolio. So you've got to be on top. You've got to run it as a business. Yeah. Even if you've got one buy to let, you've got to run that as a business. And actually, anyone who just has one buy to let, I would be looking at that going, well, is it is it actually, is it actually making you money? Because by the time you've paid your taxes, by the yeah. time that you've covered this and that, you, you, you need to have some level of scale to actually... And you built in a buffer for maintenance yeah. for you know when tenants move on do you have to freshen up the property a little yeah. bit all that sort of thing every what seven to ten years you're gonna need to put a kitchen in yeah maybe sooner if it yeah. gets trashed or whatnot yeah. but at, at least i mean you're looking at every seven years probably going yeah i'm gonna to have to put a new kitchen in yeah. maybe some point the roof's gonna need replaced you've got to yeah. have a plan yeah, yeah and some people look at that going well if you amass the properties that you need as and when they get to a stage that you know okay well i'm not wanting to do that large job and years yep. time even like all your epc stuff so if you're looking at that going well actually that's going to be an absolute nightmare your yep. portfolio management should have all that information that you can go do you know what 2026 mm, yeah we've got a challenge here because yeah. that needs to be done that needs to be done and that's going to need yep. to be replaced so it's it's an active strategy as much as yep. it's not as active as service yep. accommodation or HMO, yeah, yeah. it's asset management yeah so in summary buy to lets yes good yes. strategy for like most, double thumbs up for most for most people starting out it's likely to be a great place to start to yeah. cut your teeth to to learn what property investment is all about because the principles that underpin a good deal for buy to let are exactly the yeah. way we do our numbers for apart hotels yeah. there's more numbers they're yeah. bigger numbers but it's the same principle it's the same research of demand yeah you, and it actually once you it's a 
pain to do your first demand yeah. research, but you get quicker and better at yeah. it. And every strategy you do is going to require you to be able to do that demand yeah. research. It's the same theory. Yeah. So it's not easy, particularly at the moment. Um, but all the more important, therefore, to get educated, to really understand the strategy, yeah. how to analyze areas and how to analyze deals. Don't hide behind right move. Get out there, speak to people, learn your areas. Um, yeah, I think that's buy to let's well and truly covered. Okay, Emily, should we play a game of Would You Rather? Right, this is a good one. I like this one. <laughs> You're pleased with yourself yeah, already. I'm pleased with myself. This one. So I'm thinking about this in terms of you helping other people, you coaching people okay. in, in buy to let's. Would you rather that you had a coaching client or a student who really buried their head into due diligence, spent hours, days, weeks on right move, but was really resistant to actually getting out there and buying something? Or would you rather have a coaching client who is a little bit shoots from the hip, goes out and slightly impulsively, you know, starts offering on their first visit to the area or whatever it might be and, and, and secures themselves a deal that way? Which would you rather I'm going to say the latter, okay. the second one, because if they put an offer in that wasn't quite right yep. and they were being a good coaching client and would t let me know what they've yeah. done, I can always <laughs> tell them, be like, whoa, 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 really yeah, sorry, yeah. but like, let's, let's yeah. just um, phone up and apologise that <laughs> we're not going to buy it. You're not committed, I guess, at that stage. There's nothing more frustrating than someone just analysis paralysis yeah. because you're going, you know it, just go do it. Yeah. Um, Get out there, yeah. go and go and buy the thing, and actually, you see so many deals pass them by. Yeah. Where someone that's got that little bit more oomph behind yeah. them, like, I'm just gonna go do it. Like yeah. they might, they might still have fear, but yeah. it's a different. There's their desire is obviously there. I mean, someone who has no fear that that can be worrying, that can be yeah. difficult, but at least you can you can pull some of that back in yeah. if you need to. But um, I'd rather have someone that's just. Do you know what? You've told me what to do. I'm just going to go do it. Yeah. And I'm going to trust in the process. I'm going to trust that the people I'm working with yeah. are going to help me know when I've gone too far. Yeah. And actually, I find that very exciting. I, I, yeah, yeah. I love those coaching sessions. Instead of just telling someone like, you know what, just go do it. That can be, that can be actually yeah. quite, you come off a coaching call and you can be quite tired. Mm. Whereas someone that's just like, ah, I'm just going to go do it. This is so, I get buzzed off of that energy as yeah. well. And then I'm like, I'm going to go buy Vitalet too. <laughs> <laughs> so someone clicks onto that Zoom call and goes, uh, Emily, I might have done something rash. And I'm like, like, great. Okay, yeah. Tell that's me what, what it I'm is. here I for. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that is what you're there for, I guess, isn't it? To guide people. But I'd be the same. Yeah. I'd be the same. Like, I, I just know from experience, someone who is prepared to take action, uh, who's prepared to um, get out of their comfort yeah. zone, um, I think ultimately, uh, and let's face it, they've invested in, your support and mentorship and hopefully mm. they will then listen to that guidance yeah. and i certainly know there's been times when um I, I like to think that i've stopped people going headlong into a deal that that, that wasn't going to yeah. work for them but ah, oh, that beats hands down trying to pull someone into the process who 
is for whatever reason. Mm. And uh, don't get me wrong, there, there's a role there as a mentor in terms yeah. of helping them to break down those barriers and what have you. But ultimately, someone who's got that drive and enthusiasm is is going to get there quicker. Yeah, and they're going to get more out of their mentor as well yeah. with that kind of just doing what they're being told to yeah. do in reality. Yeah. But um, oh, I, I, I love that one. You get that phone call going, we got an offer accepted on a property. We just went and viewed. We put an offer and they accepted it. And you're like, okay. Okay. Right. <laughs> Should we book in a call? Cool. <laughs> yeah, we're going to chat about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. sometimes you, so I've got some students that were looking for vitalettes. Oh, wow, they found an HMO. Right, yeah. cool. Yeah. We're going to go figure that out now. Yeah, yeah. And th- you learn. Yeah. That's how you, you're not going to learn through never taking action. You're going to learn through doing something, being like, oh, okay, right, next time I'm not going to do that. And do you know what? Like, they're, they're going to, I know those guys are going to smash it. Yeah. You know, they're probably two, three deals down now. So, yay. <laughs> go for it. I think that's it. Like, there is this bit, if you're going to do it, yeah. go for it. Yeah. What's the alternative? You never do it. Yeah. And that's that's not good for anyone. Yeah. Mark, what is it that the gurus don't tell you? They don't tell you that what defines something is like a good deal for me might be... Mm not a good deal for you and might be a great deal for somebody else it's so there's there's a there's a guilt attached almost to this idea of money in money out mm-hmm. and that it's not it's not it's not you haven't really done it properly you haven't you really done it right haven't. yeah if <laughs> if you've not got a money in money out deal. don't get me wrong money in money out deals are great i've done them you've done them um but that doesn't mean to say that you've mm. not done it properly. That doesn't mean to say it's not a fantastic investment. So I think that's the big thing for me is and it causes problems. It's 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 a bugbear of mine because it causes problems. People fixate on money and money out and they are walking away from deals mm. that could have been fantastic deals just because for some they think they've actually quite literally done it wrong and they'll come to me and they'll be you know scratching their heads and go, what am i doing wrong i yeah, just the numbers look hurt. Yeah. if you look at a real money and money out deal in yeah. today's market for example yeah. you're like whoa that's like less than half price i'm offering and then on this they property. get skeptical about the whole process because yeah. they go well you know this is this is silly i can't, I can't find these deals i can't find these deals find I'm, right I'm, <laughs> I'm getting laughed out of estate agent offices well we've all had that but, yeah um you know it's just i'm not prepared to be putting in those those kind of offers and yeah i think i think that causes problems that perception that unless you're doing money and money out deals you're not doing it right yeah. um that's the biggest thing that i think they don't tell you is that only you can decide if a deal is a good deal. I mean, there are things that make something a bad deal. Yeah, well, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, what yeah. makes it a good deal for you? And, and let's face it, like, what makes it for a good deal for you can also change over time. Yes, absolutely. Like, I might be prepared to tolerate different return on investment yeah. later on, or I might actually get better return on investment because I'm, I'm doing better deals. I'm finding better deals. I've got more direct-to-vendor contacts. I've Absolutely. got off-market deals coming from agents. So, yeah, I think defining what is a good quality deal, is it, it just doesn't get talked about. It gets packaged up nicely into money in, money out. And But the reality is that that can create a block for people. I agree. So, Emily... What is one thing that you wish you'd known about Bytelets?
I would say it's a lot on the refurb side of things okay. because there are it's it's not something that's hugely documented in great detail. Now there are courses and and stuff and information out there that will help you really specifically know refurbs, but no one person can teach you everything you yeah. need to know because a lot of it's experience. So a lot I think on the refurb side of things are Again, similar to what we've just said about that guilt of doing it yourself, not doing it yourself, and how, how best to do it. You've got to do what works for you. Yeah. So I didn't get a project manager. In fact, yeah. I still have never used a project <laughs> manager, um, although I'm so swiftly kind of looking to change that. Um, Too much of a control freak, eh? Uh, just, no, no, just finding <laughs> the right person. Yeah. That, you know, and, and I guess there's you have to pay the person. So, I mean, yeah. that's probably in the reality. <laughs> if you're planning an 8K refurb, yeah. You can't afford to put a project yeah. manager on top of that. And actually, yeah. I did do one project where it was just given to the builder and they did it and I wasn't happy with it. Mm. So going back to the beginning, I wish I'd kind of really known a lot more about the how to spec something. Yeah. How to present that to a builder yeah. or individual trades. Yeah. Actually, even just what the order of a refurb is done yeah. in. Like I didn't even know about first fix, second fixes. Yeah. Um, when I did my first one, it was like, come in and do some stuff. And then when when do I get the carpets done? Well, when you do this and that. Plasterers are turned up and the plumbers haven't put the uh, the second fix in. It's, yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to say now that there wasn't a refurb we've just done. I'm like, eh, plumber hasn't put the plumbing yeah. for the washing machine in because you, <laughs> yeah, you're going to miss something. But um, yeah, I think just some of that can be templated and laid out. And that's something I'm looking at as to how do, how do we communicate that a lot better for someone starting? Yeah. Um, and if you are going to manage it yourself, then yeah. what things you need to expect with what are the, yeah. and in equally, you can't ever say that, oh, never give it a deposit. Well, actually, you know, sometimes you do need to give a deposit, but yeah. what are the creative ways that you can work with your builders and your trades guys? If you're going to deal with individuals, yeah. uh, a plasterer, an electrician, a plumber, you know, things like you pay for the materials and manage that, but then yeah. you've also got to think about your time. Yeah. So I think if I wish I'd known just more around that process um, for building. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's one big thing. And I've got another one that I will add on, but I know you've got thoughts. Well, on no, this as I well. was just going to come back to something you said earlier in the episode, actually, about because um, this applies. You know, we, we started this episode uh, highlighting the fact that I uh, haven't done a buy to let, <laughs> um, but this applies to any any property yeah. uh, strategy is I was going to call them hidden costs, but they're not hidden costs mm. at all. Um, but the the fixed business costs, if you like, mm. that that actually when um, property trainers show you the cash flow that the property is going to make, you get, well, they don't factor in the fact that it might need a, a new kitchen in three years, yeah. that you're probably going to have to do at least a light decoration when the first tenant moves out. Yeah. And how do you build all of that into your cash flow? Because actually given all of that, does it still make money? Well, if you're buying a limited company, the cost of doing your limited company accounts, you, you're you going to need a fair few properties in there. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. To cover your setup costs. That might costs. be a monthly cash flow on one property straight yeah. away just to get your books done. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The final thing I will say that it, it popped into my head because it was that very first refurb we did and we were doing the BRR method. We'd overspent slightly on our refurb. Eh, pulled down a few ceilings that we, we hadn't <laughs> intended to. But anyway, we, we live and learn. Um. We put that entire refurb on a credit card. Yeah. And then we came to refinance. <laughs> We've had this. And we didn't know. We just It just wasn't set because it was all like, oh, put your refurb on your credit card, do this, yeah, this, this. Yeah, yeah. When you refinance, you pull the money back and pay it off. Our broker went, ah, 
yeah, so you got like 15K on a credit card here. Um, so no, you can't refinance. Yeah. We're like, well, we'll pay it off. Okay, well, we'll have to wait till a credit score shows that you've then paid that off. I mean, maybe they're a bit more swift these days and you can yeah, show them your statement. We, we, had, we basically had similar. We had the bank basically go, yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, we'll we'll lend you this. Just pay that off first, please. And then, yeah. then we'll lend it to you. And we're like, what? I was going to use that, that money to pay it off. Exactly. Like, no, 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 that's got to be gone. You're like, ah, okay. <laughs> that's difficult. So you you got, well, my strategy was, hi, Angel, can I borrow some money, pay off my credit card, wait two months till it had gone off my file, then refinance and pay it all back. You managed to get them to yeah. commit to paying it off the refund? No. Well, no. yes and no. We got them to agree to add it as a mortgage condition mm, okay. that it was paid off. I forget the duration. It was something like within 30 days. Yeah. Something like that. I said, look, by all means, I like genuinely intend to pay it off. <laughs> so by all means, hold me accountable. Put it as a mortgage condition. I'll show you. I'll yeah. provide the evidence that you need. Yeah. And they did. They did ultimately that agree to that. was a sexier refinance though, as opposed to your standard buy to let with... Birmingham midshares who were like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I forget which project it was for yeah. actually, but I definitely remember that that process yeah. where, where where we had to do that. But luckily they agreed to that. But like you say, that would be the fallback, wouldn't it? Would yeah. be angel investor. There's whatever problem off. you face. There's always a way. There's always a solution. Yeah. There's always a way to figure out. And yeah. in fact, anything in property is about problem solving. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please don't forget to like and follow to make sure that you never miss a release. And if you're interested in finding out more about the Net Gain Club, please head on over to our website, netgainclub.com to find out all about our membership benefits and the events that we've got coming up. I got high hopes.